We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. One Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson coming to you again after a couple of weeks off because elections and life and not wanting to do everything. This is the Kirk Your Enthusiasm podcast. I'm here with a very old friend and someone who actually knows a lot about the upcoming draft. This is Brian Schrader. Brian, how are you? I'm fine. I'm tired of working <laughs> on Sundays. Yeah, well, uh, uh, it's know, the easiest day. To, it's the easiest day to work retail, but it's going to get worse and worse over the holidays because it always does. Sure, and and right. and you're probably also tired of talking about this damn basketball draft, which has been the longest draft class in in history. But before we we get into that, for for those who are are unaware, Brian is the first person who told me that I needed to pay attention to Luka Doncic probably midway through Dennis Smith Jr.'s rookie year when it was clear the Mavericks were going to be bad for, for quite a time. And so he was the yeah. one who put me on Luca, which resulted in me, you know, kind of basically obsessing to the point to where I was begging the basketball <laughs> gods for him to show up. So let's talk about the Mavs kind of uh, this, the second season with Luca. So what did you think about what he did in season two? Uh, what is there? What else is there to think? He, turn into the one of the five best players on the face of the planet like he's well he's so good that he's so good that him and trey i don't think it's even really a question anymore and trey was terrific yes like yes there's there's no question that has made the right decision despite the fact that trey young is one of the best scorers on earth Mm -hmm. well were you know thinking back to kind of where you were when you started seeing him when he was probably like 14 to 15 is this outcome within the, like where we are right now, you know, the fact that he's 20 years old, his, his sophomore season, was this sort of outcome within the range or is this even, this is the max, this was the max outcome. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Cause that's kind of, go ahead. Well, the the first thing I remember, there was a couple of people who wrote things when he, it was during his first year with Real, like when he was a starter, when he was 16 year old and it was like, this guy could be the best prospects. It's LeBron. 
And that was like the max outcome. It was like, is he going to be that good? And uh, yes, that's the, he's hit the max outcome. So it's the best possible thing that can happen if you're a Mavs fan. And, and, and so far it has been. So so pivoting off of, of that like almost immediately, where do you think he goes from here? Because I remember thinking about his rookie season and sort of hoping for an incremental incline, which or, uh, which, you know, he had, I want to say, 27 and six his rookie year. And then he jumped to 28, nine and nine, which is yeah. preposterous. So like what? Where does he improve? And rather, can he improve? I'm not sure. Statistically. You, so you don't know? Yeah, I mean, sh- he, he can become a better basketball player. He probably will probably get just a little bit smarter and, and better with his timing on defense. He can only get better. Your conditioning can only get better. Like, you're not going to get – you can always right. get better, I meant to say. You can always get better conditioning. He'll probably get a little more accurate on, like, on spot-ups. You know, any missed free throws he would upset about, he'll probably stop missing. You know, you, you can always improve in the margins, but I, I – I don't think he's going to have another huge leap because I don't know where, like where that would go. Like, I don't think that's what would the leap be to what? Right. No, there's, there's really, but, but the shooting is something that we really talk about at Mavs Moneyball almost after every game, because the free throw shooting, if you look at, you know, the free throw shooting and the three point shooting, he shot pretty well on, on free throws compared to his rookie year, but the quarter by quarter breakdown, it's still evident that the, the wind for him is very, yeah, is very you know just like he shot under seventy percent in the fourth quarter, which like that's for a guy that gets that kind of opportunity is kind of crazy. Yeah, and I mean LeBron never really got had, had that huge jump as a free throw shooter, but like he can get better in, in increments. I don't I don't think he's ever going to be like a ninety four percent you know Malcolm Brogdon free throw shooter, but part of that's just I also think he just doesn't like shooting easy shots. <laughs> Like, That's I think, a really I, interesting I think idea. Lose, I think he can lose concentration doing that sometimes because he's just, just bored. Mm-hmm. That actually tracks with some of the <laughs> stuff that you see him doing in games and in practices where it's just like he's not met. He's not, you know, Im- improving on repetition. He's like the guy that, that makes trick shots more difficult. So that's that's actually I never I never really thought about that because I, I've been thinking a lot. One of the things that stuck with me since the before the Clippers series is Jonathan Sharks once told me, you know, have you ever considered that Luca doesn't want to play off ball, which was frankly something that I had never really thought about. And and yeah. now, you know, you've given me this where it's like, well, what if he just doesn't really, you know, have the folk because he's so skilled. Why would he get great at, at that sort of thing? Because he it, it's it's a it's a focus idea. That's really fun. I like that. But he's just, he'll still probably be above 80 for his career, I imagine. Like, He's just too good of a. He's too skilled of a shooter. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to pivot then to to a guy that you and I have oh, talked man. about a lot offline when we play when we play video games. Kristaps Porzingis, in his year back from uh, knee issues, was surprisingly good. But you once shared in the preseason, or maybe it was after game one or two, there was a there was like the one like a, a, a photo of him and how his knee bends. And I yeah. bet you were not you were not at all surprised that he tore his meniscus at, at year end. So no, he's like, where are you with problems. him? He's always gonna. He was. I mean, he was as good as you could hope. He really did. Like they they cut out a lot of the garbage post ups and the mid post stuff that uh not all of it, but they cut out a lot of the really bad ones that he was doing in New York because Car- you know Carlisle doesn't run those. So like I, I feel like that you know he was great. He was about as good as you 
as your second guy, I think he was about as good as you could have hoped coming off coming off of injury. He can only he will get stronger, I imagine. Like his knees will get because mm-hmm. they always say it takes like sixteen months, sixteen eighteen months, um, and that 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 doesn't include like playing. You know, so right. it's it's a two year injury, and like the meniscus thing is not gonna. That's those usually don't. Especially he had it repaired, right? I don't yes. think he had it. Yeah, so he probably be fine. He may, yeah. he may, he may, he may not play. I would be shocked if he didn't play the first couple weeks or didn't play big minutes at least. You know, just trying to get him back into shape and get, get into game shape. And, and but I, I think he'll be fine. He, he probably will always have knee issues. Like I mean, Kevin Love's always had them. Kawhi's going to always have them. You know, there's some guys you get. He doesn't have as much weight as those guys, but he's big enough that it's just like he's probably all, he'll probably miss a few just for general soreness and may have another knee injury or two. So there's not really anything you can do about it at this point. Yeah, they're they're one. He of our, react, yeah. he, he he I think has responded to it physically about as well as you could hope. So and they seem like they're they're on a good track with him. So I just kind of trust him. It, it is interesting watching him, though, because for someone who just didn't want, and this is me, I didn't watch a lot of Eastern Conference basketball. His athleticism for a guy who is seven three is really, really interesting because he reminds me of, and I, this is a crappy comparison, but I hope you'll see where I'm going. He reminds me of like a downhill runner in the NFL where straight line, he's kind of horrifying. But if he tries to do anything like left to right, He's really easily guardable and he's kind of goofy because he's just, he's not that kind of athletic. Like he might be, he runs like a hurdler. He runs like a hurdler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I say drunk baby deer, but I really like that more. Like he has the same style as a hurdler. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I also wish that, that this year he takes some technicals on dunks where he swings to where, because the guy lands on one leg way too often. And that that stuff just and you and I talk about this just because we both have knee knee issues, so it, it it sort of freaks me out. But that's that's really something. So I want to before we go to to sort of you know draft stuff. There's a couple more guys that I want to talk about on the Mavs just because I'm interested to hear what you think of them as in terms of where you think they're going. So there are two particular players in the Mavs roster that draw a lot of back and forth opinion. Um, Maxi Kleba who is going to be 29. He has got two years remaining on a very team-friendly con- contract. And Dorian Finney-Smith, who's 27, a small forward who played really well this past season. Both of them really did, both career years, to be honest. And I I, I, I wanted to, to hear sort of your opinions on both of them because our fan base is very back and forth as to whether there is more Dallas can get out of either player. I am of the opinion that they sort of maxed out. Yeah, maybe Maxi. I think Maxi could could get a little more, depending on what the situation is with Dwight Powell and like what they have, what they do with uh, uh, anything they no, anyone they draft this year. Like I don't know if somebody falls to them or sure. any other centers they pick up. I think I think you'll probably see him. He seemed to have like won his way into like being like the second big, really the main big because Porzingis is like a tall wing. Um. They'll maybe get a little more production out of him, but I think skill, I think he's probably, I mean, he's 29. Yeah. He should be, he's, he's either in the middle of or coming into the end of his prime, depending on where you fall on that. Right. And, and like, he's on a great, he'll probably sign another contract. He'll be, he'll continue to be good. Like he's a great fit with Luca in particular. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, can he really become a better shooter? Probably not. 
It's yeah. probably where he is, which is fine. It's just Samir shooting the way he shoots. I know he couldn't hit anything in the playoffs, but that's just that happens. That was the more I think about Maxi, I think he's a less is more player. Where if you get him for like twenty five minutes a game and give him a you know a particular role, he's probably going to be great. But if you're playing him like thirty to thirty five minutes, he just can't do it because. Well, that's the thing is, who does Carlisle play thirty to thirty five minutes? That's true, but that's kind of what he ended up doing there in the playoffs. And in an ideal situation, that's not actually happening. Which is that may have been matchup, matchup based too. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they weren't going to play. Because I mean, they didn't have anyone else who physically. There's nobody else on the roster who could even do anything to Zubac, really. So, like, which was so interesting. So, so I, before we before we move on to the next thing, why was Zubac so good at guarding Luca? I was never really able to figure it out. Because Luca's not that fast. Luca's not that fast. So it was like kind of it's like Luca doesn't. Yeah. Okay, that actually makes some sense because it's like he what he so his ability to kind of yeah. juke and 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 you know kind of craft his way to the basket didn't really matter against someone who's not getting out quicked. Who 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 is stronger than him? Yeah. 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 He definitely and was his... stronger than him. 300 pounds, which is a, a massive human. Um, he would be really good on the Mavs. He'd be great. He'd be terrific. <laughs> he'd basically just be, get Boban's minutes and probably be better. Like, his, I like Boban, but mm-hmm. Boban well, has no. his extreme, ex, he's a player of extremes. He can only do certain things. He does them very well, but anything else, can't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Dorian, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, he's he's progressed so I don't want to say rapidly, but he's he's kind of just added things to his game every year. Like he maybe get a little more dynamic with the ball in his hands. I mean, I used to think he would never shoot, and then he became a decent decent corner shooter. And so you can get him a little more out of him. It's just like a uh, just like a, a tech closeout kind of guy. Like I, I think there's maybe something there, but I I don't I think those two guys are both great examples of of the guys you want to fill out your roster. When neither when. I mean, maybe when Dorian's contract expires, he gets a little. They, he prices out of their range a little bit. Right. I'd be surprised because it seems like Carlo really likes him, for like personally. So, like, I'm sure they'll pay a couple extra million a year for him, considering they're probably not going to be going after any major free agents anytime soon. Right. Like, they got they got their guy. They got the guy that they. Porzingis was basically a free agent. Yeah. Like the way the way the Knicks were treating him, the the way the Knicks were shopping him, and like. Maybe we'll have some more money if Hardaway leaves, but he seems like he likes just the spot too. So it. Kinda... Yeah, there's a lot of guys. The Mavs, the Mavs are kind of a. I think Luca becoming so good so quickly really helped clarify a lot mm-hmm. of Dallas's issues because there's a lot of going into the season like who's going to be the top guy in Dallas and like that that was very clear after about five games that it was Luca, and after that you have a bunch of guys on the team who have figured out. You know, like Hardaway is apparently apparently like carries himself like a superstar, like thinks he's it. But even he's sort of, you know, realized that his bread is buttered to a large extent by Luca. And well, and that's the thing. Can... That's the thing. That's the thing that Chris Paul has done really well with those kind of guys in his career because like they can come in and think that if if Luca's not on the floor, you can be that. Like he can yeah. be the leading scorer, and that's a good thing. But like, yeah, Tim Hardaway knows he's not the star of the team, but and that's fine. They, like. It's worse when you have like four or five of that guy, and I don't have the main guy. Right, right. And the main guy is the hard part. That's what I always keep telling like our commenters and people that are really interested in talking about this team, because the Luca. I mean, I love Dirk Nowitzki. He's probably going to be my favorite player 
for as long as I live. But Dirk wasn't – Dirk might have been a top five player for a certain period of time, but he wasn't he wasn't at, at like treated like one yeah maybe outside of a season and a half you know and i think he didn't really act like one mm-hmm. which is part of why i think people like him so much cuz he's just very just like a calm like just a nice calling presence but yeah he like yeah I, I, dirk and it's not like a i don't want to do the uh the consoft thing i think he would have welcomed another star like he dirk. if they had found one he would have been he would have been happy to be the second guy he would have been the best second guy in the history of basketball but like yeah like uh i'm not really sure like luca luca that's not lucas like lucas personality is he he is the number one guy he will be the number one guy in every every team he plays on for the rest of his career unless he gets into some carny shit where he gets like (laughs) somehow they like he goes to some team i don't think the lake i don't think the lakers he would go to the lakers but like he gets on on a team with like jason tatum or something in like seven years then maybe sure. that's like a question, but yeah, like he's going to be the number one guy, and because he's almost certainly going to be with the Mavs for the rest of his career, unless they completely bottom out. Right, he's going to be the number one guy in the Mavs for the rest of his career. Like that's just what's going to happen. So right, they don't have to worry about that. They did the NFL thing where they got the quarterback, and then everything else kind of just falls into place after that. Yes, oh, I'm so <laughs> glad we agree with this. Um, it's the hardest so thing one to get. thing, once you get it. You're not, one, like, it, one thing I'd like to kind of know, one, we're getting a little feedback. Can you hear that at all? Uh, slightly. It may just be my, my, my new mic. That's uh, no big deal. Sorry, f- sorry, fans of the podcast. Just curious. You know, you didn't want to hear there. You're you're doing that's much better. Um, eh, that's okay. We'll figure it out. Um, so one thing I'd like to talk to you about, yeah. you run your, you run your own. Down. There we go. You run your own Patreon, which I should be a subscriber, but I I, I talk to you a lot, so it's it's kind of hard to want to be a subscriber. <laughs> but you run an an excellent Patreon where you really you know you talk about a lot of different prospects. You post about the things that are interesting to you, and I think my favorite thing that you've done in the last several years was you do a lot of four year rankings, which is fun in and of itself. Like the best prospects all put together in a four year span, but you also have your own big board and. Could you list off just for the crowd here? What who are your top five people on your big board? And I, I want them to hear this. Then I want to talk about it for a minute. Uh, I I've gone back and forth. I have Lamelo Ball one again. I had okay. him there for a long time, and then I moved him. Uh, second, I have Alexei Pokashevsky. Mm. Third, I think it's still Killian Hayes. Yes, Killian Hayes. Then Tyrese Maxey. Then Onyeka Okongwu. That's my top oh. five. I love it. Okay. That's what I remembered from the last time that we talked about it were some mix of people that are a little outside of the consensus. So the first thing I'd like for you to explain is how these, these rankings, kind of these consensus rankings on websites occur and then why they don't change that much. Which, so like NBA draft rankings or like, yeah, the the draft, I, I, I suppose Let's go with prospect they're, they're, rankings. They're kind of tied together because you'll get um, usually the number one recruit, like uh, consensus recruit going into college, is the guy who the most famous guy. Um, the one notable exception in the last few years was Zion was not, despite being extremely famous, because people just. He, <sighs> Zion doesn't he defies characterization, so like it was hard to <laughs> describe him to people who'd never seen him. And a lot of scouts were like, 
yeah, sure, this guy's crazy. You know, it's it's like if a 300-pound quarterback showed up in college and it'd be like, yeah, this guy's great, but, like, that's not going to work. And then it turned right. out to work. Um, uh, so, like, he just kind of defies – it's the same thing Patrick Mahomes – this is another football analogy. The same reason Patrick Mahomes, I think, it took a little people a little while because he just – is different. Just, you know, snort emoji. He's different. Uh, he's a bucket. <laughs> but, um, but, no, uh, like – I think the number one prospect will usually be the toolsiest guy who is the most famous and also was the number – a lot of the times it would be the guy who was number one two years earlier. Like this is what happened to R.J. Barrett, Harrison Barnes, R.J. Wiggins. Like they were big major prospects when they were like seven, 16, 17, 17 years old, and then they didn't get any better. But they were still the number one prospect. And a lot, a lot of those recruiting things are still – it's why you still got like – Jaden McDaniels is still people still talking about it as a top ten pick. He wasn't terrible in college, but he did have like a he shot like forty one percent from the field. He just good at defense, like he couldn't score, but he still talked about like a top as a lottery pick in some places because he was like a top five recruit. Right, he, that shine does not go away. And on the inverse, it's why Zaire, it took Zaire Smith. I mean, he hasn't panned out yet, but I still think he was a top ten player in that draft. It took him until like two weeks before the draft to get like any real mainstream buzz because he was the 400th best recruit. He was a three-star recruit from middle of nowhere, Texas. Like he did not have any buzz at all. Right. People just don't, you know, a a great example is uh, Kyra Lewis who, yes, it's not fair. It's not fair to say, yeah, it's not fair to say last year because he was not eligible for the draft last year. He was too young, but he was better his freshman year than Colin Sexton was at the same school. But, there weren't any vines of him slamming his hands down on the floor. He, he didn't get like big profiles from ballislife.com and all these, all these hoop websites. So nobody, nobody cared. So there was even no with him last year. So, so one, <laughs> I, like I'm very, like the Mavericks are never going to be a team where this matters just because they have Luca now, but I've always been fascinated with kind of recruit culture where there's these, you know, these guys get millions and millions of followers on Instagram. Everything they do seems to matter to some degree. Yeah. And then what you're telling me and what you're saying is that despite like a preponderance of data that didn't exist 20 years ago, the same crap still happens. Yeah, it's it seems to be a little like like a guy like Shabazz Muhammad would not be the number one recruit now. Like, <laughs> figure out like, oh, this guy's like 22 years old. Uh, but like, uh, it still seems to be happening. Like, the Wiseman thing is weird because I feel like. He is partly the what I was talking about before, but also partly people just refusing to accept that there's not a superstar, and so there has mm. to be a superstar. Um, it's that, and it's the fact that his he's very easy to explain. Okay, like he fits into an obvious role, even if that role is dumb and wrong. Like he's not Chris Bosh, <laughs> he's not going to okay. be David Robinson, but like people will still want him to fit into that. Like they, he, there has to be that guy. You're going to see it on the draft, they're going to talk about the next wave of superstars with Anthony yeah. Edwards and James Wiseman and Lamella ball. And like, it's very unlikely any of those guys become that honestly. Yeah. Like I don't think 2013 is the best comp, comp for this class. And I don't think there's a Giannis. That makes there. sense. Well, like, that, that's, that's, I don't even what... think Wiseman will be as good as Rudy Gobert. So like, so with, look at the with, college guys with... in that draft and then look what happened. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Sorry. With that in mind, so so talk to me about the fact that you have that you have Poku number two, you, you like, and you have Killian three, which both of those guys seem to be much higher on your big big board. 
than what you would see in a in a in, in you know like on an ESPN or a Yahoo. I think you guys on Draft Twitter kind of have fun talking about this, but with the people that you have ranked consistently higher, could you kind of give me a brief rundown as to why? And before I let you answer, I want you guys to understand this. Uh, Ryan, uh, Brian and then Jonathan Sharks were the only two people that I pay consistent attention to, and there might have been more, but said like that that Brandon Clark, for example, was going to be a top three to five guy in last year's draft, and he was. And if you don't believe that Brandon Clark is good, I want you to go look at his shot chart. Look at like he would be incredible on the Mavericks right now. Like he's such a good basketball player. Neither anyway. He was devastating on the Mavericks. He would destroy it on the Mavericks. Uh, I had Pokushevsky too solely as like an upside thing because um, if he if he works like if he's able to add strength and he becomes like the guy that like he could be if he hits his ceiling. A his ceiling is the highest in this class significantly. It's just hard to tell what that is because he played in the same league as Giannis did, and it's a worse league now than it was then. Um, but like if he hits his ceiling, he's like what if Porzingis was could pass like Lamar Odom and dribble like Lamar Odom. He's a little smaller, like a little shorter and probably probably about the same weight as Porzingis was at that stage. Right. But like he has not I don't think he's played a game since he turned eighteen, which he turned eighteen the day after Christmas last year last year. Jeez. Uh and even then he was putting up like per thirty six it was like fourteen, thirteen, six blocks, four assists three steals, like just absurd numbers. And he was shooting like 35% from three. He shoots all on the move. He shoots around screens. They run him around. They'd run the seven footer around screens and have him shoot. He shoots step backs. He takes the ball in transition and dribbles like a guard makes like one hand touch passes like Larry bird tip passes. He's a completely wild player. The different, the, the question is, of course he's playing in like a, not like it's not like the worst league, but it's not a good league. It's like it's a probably a sub college league, and he's physically weaker than you or I. Like he's just not strong <laughs> at all. He weighs like 195 pounds, and he like he will fill out because he's an 18 year old. But how much is the question? And then like that killed Dragon Bender. Now Dragon Bender was afraid of contact, and like Pogoshevsky is a good rebounder even at that at where he's playing. So like he. He will get hit. He just what's it's a you know willingness to get hit and being able to withstand those hits are different things. Yes, so he, he's going to need time to do that. But like the skill level is absurd. Now he's not a good part of this because of strength. He's not good inside the arc generally. He's okay at the rim because he usually just takes open shots at the rim, like on putbacks or you know rim runs or anything like that. But he's not like he doesn't have the strength, and he has like he does have that uh. <laughs> Lamelo has this too, where he has this like flashy pass syndrome almost, where he'll just be like, "I'm going to do a cool thing." Now, part of that may have just been because Pokashevsky was playing in a league that was well below his skill level, and he was bored. Okay, but, like he he probably will have some dumb turnovers. He had one I remember where he tried to throw like a behind the back lob to somebody, and the guy didn't even jump, and he just looked at him like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" Ball went like thirty feet out of bounds, and Pokashevsky just kind of shrugged and walked away. But he sees, you know, he he makes those freak passes. He sees he sees the lanes that people usually don't. He's a wild player, and like there aren't stars in this draft. Like I don't think Anthony Edwards is going to be a superstar. I don't think Killian. I think Killian is going to be a very high level, like good player. But I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be like a superstar. 
and like I don't think Wiseman will be. I've talked about that. I don't think. I mean, whoever else is in the top. Cole Anthony was the guy I thought might be, but he just had a disaster season. He's old and he had any injury, so it, it's not. It's not. It's not implausible that it could happen, but I I kind of doubt it. Sure. Interesting. And then, like anyone else who's going to be a star in this draft is going to be a guard who hits the right team and like breaks out, but is like a low level star guard. Yeah. And I, don't, I just don't think anyone else, like none of the other guys, unless one of the really athletic younger guys like really busts out skill wise, like maybe like Josh Green, but he just doesn't have, I, I don't think so. Um, so yeah, I, I, would I take Pokashevsky at two? Depending on what team I am, maybe, maybe not. But me having him to my board because I think he's got the second highest star potential. What am I? I'm not gonna get what? I'm not gonna get fired for that. If no. you take him at two, you might get fired because he may be Nicholas Skidishvili or like uh, Anthony Randolph. But like, no, you know, that's... why not have him too? Why not have him too? Like, there's no reason for me not to. Yeah, and and that's. So that's a fun transition to, to you know, and, and people who have been listening this long now are heard us talk 30 minutes without actually getting into the Mavericks specifics. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of it, it's kind of why I wanted to get to here, because the Mavericks pick 18 overall. And I'm very interested to hear two things. First, who you think they will draft versus who you would pick if you were the general manager and you know things are getting you, you know knowing what you know, I, I guess what is what who I'm I would pick is very different. It depends entirely on who. Like if Pokashevsky falls, I'd probably just take him. But who I would take if the board goes the way I think, because I actually think uh, he's not going to get past Minnesota at 17. Okay. And who they will take is it might it might be the same guy, and it might be Desmond Bain because I just think he would be, he would fit the best. If the plan is to be back in the playoffs and competing, I think he'd be the the only guy at that spot who could really contribute. Desmond Bain, and and for the yeah, and for the next like seven or eight years, yeah. Okay, okay, because he gives me. I don't know. Th- this is a poor comparison, skill set wise, but I think there's something to the concept of of an older player who just knows what they're supposed to do. Josh Howard did that for the Mavericks in 2003 to 2007 yeah. until he lost his mind, and like, there's just not a lot of heart, like. A guy who can shoot, pass, and dribble is of value in in a Colorado Very good at offense. Defense. And is he good at defense? Okay, that's kind of his, yeah, his wingspan's so. not yeah. really there. But uh, he is he's built like a line, he's built like a linebacker. He's six five, yeah. two twenty five. Like he's a big dude, and he's smart. So like he's good at defense. He's not okay. like terrific, but he's good at he's gonna he's gonna defend twos and threes pretty well. You, and probably like if you're playing against like a heat or somebody playing jay crowder guys at the four he'll defend them he'll be fine he's not gonna get bullied do you think bane this is what's been interesting about watching draft boards do you think bane gets selected earlier than 18 he might he's getting a little buzz uh i'm sure he's gonna go in the first round because he's the best shooter he's the most consistently good shooter is the way i'll say it because i think Mm -hmm. isaiah joe Arkansas could be a better shooter he's a little more like dynamic he's got more like the that juice is like a Tyler Hero kind of shots like you know when Tyler Hero gets on those runs where he's hitting everything. Bane's probably not going to do that, but Bane will be like Wayne Ellington, where it's just like yeah, he's a good shooter, he's going to hit shots. Now he's much bigger than Wayne Ellington, but you know what I mean. Like Wayne Ellington does not have stretches where he goes like oh for sixteen really. He just is consistently like good like thirty five forty percent shooter. Or like Luke Kennard is that kind of shooter where it's like that guy just hits shots. Yeah, that's actually not a bad jump for him physically. Like he's bigger though. 
But like, yeah, he's not like super dynamic. He's not gonna be. But the thing is, they don't need that guy. So many teams, like taking twenty-two year olds in the lottery, is dumb and bad. Like, you really shouldn't do it unless they're somehow a generational player, because they're just sure. not gonna get better. Like, but taking twenty-two year olds after like maybe like the late lottery, you can if a guy's good. Clark is like an exception because Clark is an elite athlete and also had a weird trajectory, like a weird. Yeah, he didn't have play to for get to where he half. was, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe that kind of guy, but like taking taking a good player, like after like ten, to do it. Yeah, especially if you have the hierarchy already set up. Like they need, they probably need another guy on the wing who can shoot and dribble mm-hmm. and play they defense. Definitely do. He can shoot. He can shoot and dribble and play defense. It's it's really it's an obvious fit. If he's gone, that's. I mean, I I would look at Joe Isaiah Joe. Like, I, if you really want a shooter, I said I talked about Josh Green. I don't know if he gets past like Portland, but that's an interesting guy because like he's not a very good shooter right now, but he's a very good athlete, good at defense, and has like the upside you could build around. And he's like a smart kid. He'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Patrick Williams is probably more of a four-five guy. I was looking at like wing guys. Right. And I love Mason Jones. I don't know if they need Mason Jones. Like, what his skill set would be. They already have Tim Hardaway. That's kind of what he would do. Right. Bulmaro may not come over to the NBA this year. Sadiq Bay probably won't make it there. Tyshawn Alexander might be, but I would take him at like 31. So really, like if any of the other wing guys, kind of tough. Like there's there's, there's going to be a dearth after after Bane, really. Yeah. Of guys I would take at 18. It, it kind of gives me – this pivots right into my next question about 31, but – it it's sort of I I wonder if they have like a short list of three to four guys that they would be interested yeah. in picking at eighteen, and then if that player is not there, moving away from eighteen. Maybe there is one other guy I would take at eighteen, but I I don't I have no idea I would have no idea what they think of him because he's not a real shooter and that's Xavier Tillman, but I would I have I have him at eleven like I love Xavier Tillman I think he's a terrific <laughs> basketball player. He's uh. He's just a strange he's he's got the exact opposite problem of Wiseman where Wiseman maybe not be is not the player that he's been described as whereas Tillman is like much more than the player he's described as it's hard to describe because he's a 6 eight college center who doesn't shoot a lot of threes mm. you don't think that guy's going to be good but he's uh maybe the the, the strongest basketball player on the earth right now <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating some, but he's a freak. Like he played in the Big Ten against like Luca Garza is like seven foot one. Jalen Smith, who's going to get drafted, is like six ten, two forty. Right. Uh, God, Caleb Wesson is like two seventy. And like everyone, almost every every center in the Big Ten is either like two sixty or they're like seven foot one. And Xavier Tillman dominated them all. He's six eight, two thirty five, two forty, and he physically dominated them like they would back him down and try and shoot hooks and he would just grab the ball out of their hands and knock them over he boxes out everyone that's ever lived he's the terrific passer he's the probably the smartest likely the smartest player in the draft and also just as like a personal thing he said several times in in in, uh in different uh interviews that because he has two kids and he's had two he's been married since he was like a sophomore he has two kids. He's just like, yeah, I think I'm I'm much more ready to compete for my job than a lot of these other guys coming out of college. That's and basically threatened that if any of the, if any of the other guys tried to stop him, he, he's like, they're not going to stop me from succeeding in the NBA. And they're just like, okay. 
I love Xavier, but he could be available at 31 too because the NBA just doesn't like those guys. He's a sure. junior who is a defense first small center, but he's a freak. That's he's a freak. He's got great feet. I love Xavier. Um, yeah. like I like him more than Obi Toppin, and he's younger than Obi Toppin. It's just the difference is Obi Toppin does cool dunks and shoots threes sometimes. Like he's sure. could be a decent player. That's but. really fun. Well, I so love Xavier. We, we have a couple <laughs> minutes left, and I do you share my opinion that Dallas is likely to move one of the two picks, or do you think something? Probably, something? I would say so. Yeah, unless somebody falls that they really like. I think 31 is a good spot to get another guard, but do they need another guard? No. Like, Carl I'm so tired yes. of talking. Yeah, Carl, <laughs> I would always say yes. That's... <laughs> like, I don't know. I would I would kick around, like, if Malachi Flynn was there, Grant Riller. This is a great draft for guards to get, like, secondary guards to get. Devon Dotson, super fast. Like I said, if Joe was there, you know, like, uh, uh, Tyrell Terry, if he fell, he won't, but if he Ooh. fell... Like you he's think Tyrell Terry would actually fall? No, I, I don't think so. But like, if he did, he won't oh. fall because he's had a very good agent who's uh, done very good work. Talking about how he's somehow gained three inches, <laughs> like he's six, six four now. He's not, and but like right. he's he's gonna go earlier than that. But like Riller, Malachi Flynn, Cassius Winston, Dotson. Like if those four guys, maybe Trey Jones. Like I think those guys are all like good NBA players. But like. Do they need another guard is the question. And like, could they get more? Could they fleece somebody into giving them a pick next year? That's what, like I a, mean, that's kind of where or my like a usable is. player. Yeah. 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 I, or do I wonder, I'm wondering if they have to package one of their picks to move on from either Justin Jackson's contract or, or DeLon Wright's almost unplayable contract, but that might be too much. I feel like it'd be easier to move DeLon because he was good before he came to Dallas. So like somebody will fall. So I don't want to say somebody will probably do that if they want to. It's like he could still be useful somewhere where he doesn't have to play in the Carlisle system, which he's just not. He can't dribble well enough. That's what it no. is. No, and he wasn't. He wasn't. He he really wasn't bad. He just wasn't. The, the, if you have like four different guard options, he's not. It just didn't work out for him. I, I feel yeah, kind of bad for him. Bad. Yeah, yeah, the fits not. He'll probably go somewhere else and be good next year if they trade him. Mm-hmm. Like, and he'll he's a good player. Well, before I let you go, or before we go play video games, one of the two. Um, do you have any any you know past top sixty guys that you are really into <sighs> that Mavericks fans should maybe keep an eye on? Because I say this because Mavericks uh, played four undrafted guys in the yeah, playoffs last year. Uh, there's a couple guys. I think, well, CJ Ellaby we drafted. Freddie Gillespie from Baylor, if they need that big. Uh, kind of played like Tillman. He's like 6'9", blocked a lot of shots at the rim for Baylor, sh- started shooting threes, and just like, here's a guy, he was a, I think he was a junior college guy who just had no profile whatsoever and just played great. Baylor was great. They were the best team in the country for most of the year. He could be a guy you look at. Uh, Saban Lee will probably get drafted. Sam Merrill will probably get drafted, even though he's old as dirt because he's a great shooter. So he's a guy who went on this. He went on this mission. He was a mission guy going to Utah State, and he's like 25 now, but he was great. <laughs> so like he'll probably get a pickup. Justinian Jessup from Boise State uh, is another guy who's a great shooter. They could maybe look at. You know, there's always guys. Uh, yeah, those guys are all going to get drafted. I'm looking at my board now. Sure. Nate Darling, Delaware, that could be a guy. If they're just looking for shooters, these guys can all shoot. 
Uh, Tyreek Jones from Xavier. He's a, a rebounder, shot blocker. That's kind of it. Maybe Rayshon Hammonds from Georgia because he he's a great athlete. He's 6'9". He can shoot, but he just never played that well at Georgia. But it could just be because he played at Georgia. Sure. He could be like if they want to get – if they want the next Dorian, like that – just like 3-and-D big guy. He could be a guy – Josh Hall might get drafted. Jay Scrub might get drafted. Kenyon Martin Jr. is out there. Ooh. <laughs> he's like 6'6". Six, six. He's probably not very good, but he's out yeah. there. Yeah, uh, Christian fun. Doolittle might be another guy. It depends on what kind of guy you're looking for. But there's there's this class has I would say out to like 65, 75, there's guys who could be useful. Okay. That's what I like to that's what I like to hear. Though I though Gillespie, I think, is the main guy I would look at if I was them. Especially if they don't if they don't like uh they don't feel confident about Powell next year, which yeah. I probably would not. No, yeah. That's a lot. Because <laughs> Gillespie's a very good pick and roll. Like big big body like Big shoulders. He can set picks. He can catch the ball, take two dribbles, dunk. He'll probably shoot some threes, and he blocks shots and rebounds. So, like, sounds sounds like the right guy. Well, and is apparently a wonderful guy. <laughs> Which the Mavs seem to love dudes like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian, thank you for uh, for coming on. I I'm yep. going to pub your your Patreon account a few times. Obviously, your Twitter account too. Which somehow you have a shit ton more followers than me, though you should. It just still never makes me laugh more than I because I just because I've I've been friends with you for like a decade. So it's one of those things. Thank you for coming on. This is fun. Yep. All right, no I will uh, talk to you soon. I'm sure everybody. This has been Kirk Henderson and Brian Schrader. This has been Kirk, uh, what is my stupid podcast name? Kirk, your enthusiasm. (laughs) All right, we will uh, talk to you soon. Everybody have a good week. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.